Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brendan Lemon. Welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, you know, guys, every once in a while I have people on uh, who I think are interesting or are trying to figure their way out through uh, through this this crazy, inco- increasingly incoherent world. And uh, my guest today is a very talented Ron Irvin. Hey, everybody. Ron is a comedian and actor <laughs> in Chicago, Illinois. He's originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I won't hold that against him. That's fair. <laughs> I hold it against myself. <laughs> you are, you are. So this is interesting because most of my, so most of my podcast, what I try to do is have people on who are doing, trying to make sense of or or have are making sense of like uh, the world in one way or another. Yeah. And they've been like economists or like philosophers and different people like that. You don't know this because you don't listen to my podcast. Nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, know your truth. But like uh, people and people on Cora, I have a following i actually have a lot of people in india who listen to me really <laughs> yeah of yeah. all places yeah exactly i need to i need to try to get like bollywood celebrities on this podcast somehow <laughs> they got to be coming through chicago at some point they have to be right yeah and i could get them on i could get them on board and just get millions of listeners in india like <laughs> they would do it because they would think they're like oh this is finally my chance to get in front of an american audience yeah and then, and then they just come to your apartment. Yeah, just, just hanging out in my living room. Yeah, which is a nice apartment, but still, it's like, you're like oh, this is a dude's apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's like, I. it's so funny, Ron, because I've had a bunch of people up here. And um, for the listeners, I live in a one-bedroom apartment on the third floor of, a you know, basically a house in Chicago. And it's a nice apartment. It's a very nice for a yeah. comedian's apartment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dude, yeah, I walked in there. I was like, "Fuck, man, everything works." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't see any stains yeah. anywhere. Like, <laughs> it's so true. Like, uh, what's the metal bars under your bed? What are them for? <laughs> 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 it's so it's so true. I like we had like I had Meredith Cachel over here. Yeah, and she showed up and she looked around and she was like, "What? What are you doing comedy for?" Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's so true. Like I just feel like I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what what my deal is. But a Bollywood celebrity would show up in here, and he would be very disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> like that. It's still nice, but it's still like, oh, dudes, I came to America for a dude's apartment. Yeah, and then I would suddenly get all these, <laughs> all these listeners, uh, in India. But for so he, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast specifically is, uh, I should say, is three reasons actually. Okay. The first is that I think you're a very, very funny comedian. Oh, thank you. Uh, you do a lot of road work, and uh, I, I kind of want to get into your approach to comedy and um, how you got into it. You're kind of famous locally in Cincinnati for a video you made some time ago. Yeah. Ish. So essentially, like he mentioned, I'm from Cincinnati. I was born and raised. And there was a period where I was living in a part of town called Norwood. And Norwood is just like, I, don't, I can't even explain. It's just like this white trash heaven in the middle of the city. <laughs> and I was living there because it's, you know, it's just close to stuff and it was cheap. And somebody had told me a story uh, that they had a substitute teacher in high school who was like this really nice old Vietnam vet. And he was, just, he was just super quiet, super nice, super reserved. And then one time in school, they were talking about Charles Manson. And one of my friends went. As you do in school. Yeah. He was like, hey, isn't <laughs> Charles Manson from Norwood? Because he's from Cincinnati. And Is he, he was, actually? Yeah, he was from Cincinnati. Holy shit. And somebody was like, well, hey, isn't Charles Manson from Norwood? And this substitute, who's, again, usually very quiet, very nice, very reserved, just like pipes up and goes, what? Charlie Manson, don't talk shit about Norwood. <laughs> and he would do that anytime they mentioned Charles Manson. And it was just his one thing. 
And I just thought that was like the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, we have to turn this into something. And we made a fake tourism video for Norwood called Don't Talk Shit About Norwood. <laughs> and we make it thinking they're like, oh, three people are going to watch this and laugh at it. We like clicked and we had like refreshed and it's like 10,000 views and 20 and then 30 and then 40. And yeah, it kind of went viral locally. There's a brewery in town that made a beer called Don't Talk Shit About Norwood. <laughs> And they sell like coasters and like oh my god glasses and shirts and shit. That's so good. Yeah, I remember when you were telling me this story. We were outside of Reed's, uh, oh, yeah. which is kind of a dive uh, bar open mic. Although it's yeah. a very good open mic. Oh yeah, I love those guys. And uh, I didn't believe. I actually didn't believe you when you were telling me. Yeah, I was, I and then the you video? like pulled it up on your phone, and then you <laughs> pulled up the beer from the brewery, and I yeah. was like, holy shit, man. There was, uh, I remember the first time I went back to try it, I checked on their, I was in town and I checked on their website to make sure they would have it that yeah. part of the year. And they did. They said it had it in, on tap and in the bottles and everything. And I run in super excited to try it. And they're like, oh yeah, we actually don't have it. And I was like, I don't think you know who I am. <laughs> That's the first time I ever wanted to pull that out. Pardon me, sir. Like, Please uh, get your supervisor. Me. Do you know who I am? I am the man from Don't Fuck With Norwood. Yeah, I made a YouTube video four years ago that got about 60 thousand views you can bring it to my table <laughs> in fact i'd like the royalties please mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that what is it called again it's don't it's called don't talk shit about don't norwood. talk shit about norwood the That's brewery it. is listerman brewery which are awesome people it's a great place if you're ever in cincinnati go check it out it's a great little spot Got in it. the middle of norwood yeah. Man, that is cool. Uh, I should reach out to them for this podcast. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I should reach out to them for the podcast, though. That would be super cool. Yes. This this podcast, I should say, is unofficially sponsored by Blake's Hard Cider. Um, Blake's I Hard am, Cider. I am not drinking uh, for the month of January until Friday when I fly to Paris for okay. a week. Um, I didn't. I bought the tickets. I had them for like six months before going. Before like committing to not drinking for. Yeah. January and then I committed to not drinking and I was like, man, this is so stupid. I'm leaving the country for a week. I'm not yeah. gonna go to France and then not. Yeah, you can't go to France and not drink. I know. What an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but you are drinking. I'm drinking tea. Right well, no. Now. What What's the hard like? Oh, Mike's... Blake's hard cider. Yeah. My no, Blake's hard cider. Blake's hard cider from our made in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Guys, when I want to take a sobriety break, <laughs> I only choose Blake's hard cider. <laughs> Tired of. Feeling the uh, existential dread that comes with beer or wine? Yeah. <laughs> Move to a bright... But want half the Atkins points? <laughs> yeah, want half the Atkins points. <laughs> oh, the Atkins diet's still a thing? Do people still do that? I'm sure my parents do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're from the Midwest and there's an idea that you can eat meat on a diet, and that's a diet? Yeah. Holy shit. And, like, just meat. Oh, my God. Lane Bryant must have been so excited about that. Yeah. Just oversized, plus-size women's clothing must have flown off the racks for months after that thing was a thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. That or charming shops. Yeah. It's weird that I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody was on the fucking Atkins diet when I was, like, a kid. Yeah, everybody was. It was, like, a everybody. really big deal. That was the first one I was aware of. The second one I was aware of was the South Beach diet, which was yeah, Jennifer Aniston. yeah. yeah. Man, we are far afield here. And then whatever the fuck, Dr. Phil, whatever. That guy, uh, I, th I don't know if he has a soul. Uh, you think? No, I don't, I don't know if he does. He's, uh, he's a very, he, I don't know. 
Go watch his videos. He's weird. He's a weird one when you watch his show and whatever he wants to put out. But then I see him like he was in Scary Movie three, and he like does what, these really? ske- yeah he does these sketches with Conan's, and he comes out, and it's like, oh, you actually have like a good sense of humor about yourself. Yeah, I'm sure I, you'd have to. Yeah. He's that it's weird because he gets his whole family on the show. Now that Oprah is running for president, I'm worried that he's going to be her like secretary of state or like some other kind of she's going to create new branches of 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 her cabinet that have like nothing to yeah. it's gonna be like secretary of self-fulfillment. It, it's going to be like bizarro Trump administration. It is. Yeah. Uh, this country is going to This is it reminds me of this is going to be a strange tangent, but. At the end of the uh, the end of the Roman Empire, way down the line, when it had split into the Eastern and Western empires, and the Eastern Empire, the center was Byzantium, mm. and this is true. The, the there was the the Circus Maximus, like the giant um, you know chariot races that used to take place in in Byzantium. Yeah. This is real. There were two teams, uh, and there was the green team and the blue team, and they hated each other. And the emperor at the time had to play the factions off each other. And the only reason that he was like remained emperor was because all these chariot racers like wanted him to stay emperor. Yeah. It makes no goddamn sense when you really think about it. It's like, <laughs> how, do, how the fuck do you get a political, in, you know, institution held up by like a bunch of sports fans, basically? Yeah. And that really reminds me of like America right now. Yeah. It's really okay. Anyway. I don't know. You ever seen Cabin in the Woods? No. Okay. Well, I was just going to reference the ending of like, yeah, maybe it is time to just let everything burn. Let somebody <laughs> else try. People are so fucking worried about like, oh, robots are going to take over. I'm like, what? We've done such an amazing job with it. <laughs> Why don't you ask the Native Americans what they think about robots taking over? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean these things that know like everything and everything? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's so it's oh man. This actually worries me. Um. Yeah, well, all right. Let me back. Let me get back to the main thing. Is that one? I wanted to have you on because you're a you're a, a very funny comedian. The last time I saw you actually go up, you did the annoyance, I think, showcase, or it might have been the open mic. I did it. A, I did the show a couple weeks ago. You crushed though. You crushed really hard, and that, and it, you did the joke about the uh, difference between uh, urban crime and suburban crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Bit. I won't re- repeat the bit here, but at some point you'll release it. I'm sure on YouTube yeah, or yeah, wherever, something. and I'll I'll link to it, but. Uh, you're a very funny comic. You also are getting into more and more acting, mm-hmm. and uh, you're getting bit, you're getting parts and things like this, which is I think really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what was the third fucking reason? I think it was the video, the Cin- the Cincinnati video. But uh, you're kind of an unabashed Ohio fan. You have an Ohio hat on. You have a Cincinnati jersey on. Yeah, I'm contractually obligated. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't, they come find me and they make me go back. <laughs> I mean, I'm obligated by birth to hate Ohio because I'm from yeah, Michigan. Yeah, no, yeah, you're from Michigan. So people listening to this uh, podcast who are in India or Russia or uh, Jamaica, which are three locations. Or just the West Coast. Or just the West Coast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which are th- what I should say are three locations I actually have people who listen to the podcast from. Yeah. Uh, Michigan and Ohio hate each other. Yeah. It's the worst rivalry in sports. Yeah. I mean, the ba- or the best. Yeah. I mean, it's the hardest rivalry in sports it's for sure. It's the nastiest. Those fans hate each other. Yeah. I used to live right on, I used to live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, literally around the corner from the big house. And we had, I lived at the corner of Hill and State Street, which is the curve everybody had to take from like further uh, east on campus uh, if they were coming to the big house. Yeah. And 
I, the shit I would see when Michigan would play Ohio State at home, which was every other year, yeah. was just outrageous, man. <laughs> Guess how full cup of beer thrown in an eight-year-old girl's face because she had an Ohio State jersey on. Yeah, welcome to the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I'm from Cincinnati, and I guess there's, I mean, in Cincinnati, there's obviously Ohio State fans, but I don't think it's as extreme as it would be in, like, Columbus. Yeah. So it was always, I mean, that was always there, and it was always a thing, and it was talked about, but we didn't have this, like, for the most part, most people I know didn't have, like, this hardcore allegiance. We're just like, we just know we fucking hate Michigan, so whatever. <laughs> Michigan sucks? Okay, cool, got it. It was so it was so weird because like when I, I went to Columbus a little while ago because uh, my girlfriend's like one of her best friends lives there. Yeah, and we drove out to go to a couple of parties that they had, and the whole time I was in the town, I was like, I feel like I like I'm high. Like if they yeah. find out, I'm gonna <laughs> like no, I might go home in a body dead. bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was a totally fine town. Otherwise, Columbus is weird. Columbus is the biggest city in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's our state capital. Um. But in all honesty, every time I've gone to Columbus, I mean, it's a great, whatever, normal town. Um, and maybe I just haven't spent enough time there. But every time I went there, I always just kind of felt like, eh. You know what I mean? It's not. I mean, I get off the highway and drive straight to her place. Right. So I, I don't want to drive anywhere. I feel yeah. like I'm <laughs> like scary. Like I'm like the enemy that nobody knows about or yeah. something. Um, but Cincinnati's interesting because it's kind of like it's it. It's right next to Kentucky, it and is, it, and in a lot of ways, it feels like. So Cincinnati is a purgatory where the Midwest <laughs> meets the South. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. What was it like growing up there? Um, uh, weird. A lot of things that you don't like. Look, you don't realize you're white trash until somebody tells you one day. <laughs> I think there's another great comedian named Brandon Kiefer, and that's what he told me. And he was like, he's like, you don't realize that you're white trash until somebody tells you. And holy fuck, he is right. <laughs> there's just so many things in my upbringing that I look back and it's like, y'all don't do that. And they're like, no, dude, that's like the most white trash thing I've ever heard of. And I'm what like, is oh, like well. what's one of these things? Um, shit, just like, I don't know, like growing up in like food I would eat. Yeah. Oh, especially because we grew up really poor. Yeah. So that's another thing that came with it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, do y'all ever ate ketchup sandwiches? Ever? You ever like, <laughs> oh no? wait, you've—that's one of your. I've heard you say that. Have I done that? Do I have a joke about that? Uh, maybe, or you've said something like bologna sandwiches and like uh, like like bread, like Wonder Bread and bologna. Oh no, I think the joke is like uh, I'll ask anybody. I'll be like, hey, who here like grew up poor? And people will clap or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, the rest of you, I guess the joke's on you. How much cool shit do you know how to do with bologna? That's the joke. Yeah. Oh fuck, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just like shit like that. And it really, it's just, it is this purgatory where the Midwest meets the South. Because there's so many people, I mean, just like heritage-wise, like the hillbilly highway that came from all the Appalachian things back in the day. My grandparents are Kentucky Hill people. Yeah. Like Appalachian Kentucky Hill people. And they came down into the valley to yeah. go to... <laughs> they turned 18, you know, she got B- pregnant. Better go to the city. Love. Yeah, and they ran <laughs> off to Cincinnati. That was their like... Yeah. We going to the big city. Yeah, I did. I actually helped this old couple pay for parking in downtown Cincinnati one time. They couldn't figure out the machine. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, no, here. And I like paid it and gave them the ticket. And they're just like, thank you so much. We're never coming to the big city again. <laughs> yeah. So, We're never coming to the We're big city. We're never going to the big city again. Oh, man. It's so weird because like my grandmother, uh, who's a lovely woman, is from 
like rural Indiana. She's from yeah. Fr- French Lake, Indiana, but like outside of French. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not super literate on Indiana. I mean, why would you be? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a town. I went there once like 25 years ago when I was like a little kid. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it was at one time described as like the Paris of Indiana. (laughs) Like it was like very nice. There's casinos. They have like the largest indoor hotel atrium. Like in, yeah. And it's enormous and it's gorgeous actually. Like there's a, my grandmother has a coffee table book of all this French lick like famous architecture because like all of these um sort of like midwest slash like semi-south you know uh industrialists would want to go somewhere where they could just chill out and they decided apparently french lake was that place so like they brought chicago architects and like all these different people out to like build stuff in the like late 1800s so it's actually like kind of nice but where this is i'm totally outside of where i meant to go with this yeah Anyway, where I was going with this is she moved to Detroit, like, because she was like, that's the big city. In, like, yeah. the 1960s, <laughs> like, that was, like, a big fucking deal. And it was so weird for me as a kid to hear about this, because I'm like, Detroit? Like, where we go for school, and yeah. we have to have a police escort? Like, yeah. But that was their idea. <laughs> that was the big city to them. So if you're listening from, you know, India, maybe that's Mumbai or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. For us, that'd be, like, New York. Yeah. Uh, I, New York's the big city. Yeah. I feel like in a, in a lot of ways, uh, I, I had never gone to New York until November of this past year. Have you ever been? No. It's weird. I almost felt like there was a there was an amount of the American experience I had not like. Yeah. I like didn't get until I went to New York. Well, like I'm I'm actually kind of planning a trip out there some point soon because you know comedians either move to L.A. or New York. Got to. And I've never been to either. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm much more I in New York, honestly, just because of the fact that I prefer I prefer the big city setting. Yeah. I just that's just what I prefer. I think your pro- probably your meth tastes will go over better and mm-hmm. better in New York. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't do none of that gluten free meth. <laughs> gluten free the west coast shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh no, man ohio's a heroin state is it we have a oh dude we have like one of the worst heroin problems in the country so what hold on so let's i want to back up a little bit so you started doing comedy in cincinnati though yeah and then so what how was what was your progression into comedy and what was comedy like in that space uh nothing much i mean there's the one club there there's go bananas uh, for me, it was Patrick Lynch is also from, I think. Cincinnati, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's, yeah he's mentioned there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you're just doing whatever little open mics you can find. And then during that same period, I was in a Rocky horror cast. Oh, really? From when I was like 17 until I moved here until I was like 25. Holy shit. You yeah. were in a Rocky horror cast for like eight years, yeah, like eight years. What did you just in Cincinnati? Yeah. Just in Cincinnati. Well, how often did you do shows? Uh, every two weeks. Holy shit, and man. And they're still doing it. It's been around since. Okay, so this is something I didn't know about you. So I knew that you were getting into a lot of acting in Chicago. You were mm-hmm. on Chicago Fire, I think. Uh, yeah, Mad. Chicago Mad, yeah. There's all these Chicago-based shows that are just Chicago yeah. whatever. Uh, and you're on a few of them. You were started as like an extra, but then you weren't an idiot. So they gave you like better positions. Is yeah, because I only gathered this from Facebook. Yeah, no, I mean you basically just get like I guess what's known as like a featured extra. Yeah, uh, and then I there's been a couple instances where I got pulled in to do stand-in work, which is super easy and a lot of money. <laughs> so that's wait, what? It. So what's stand? Is that so, you just stand? So you the cameras at your back. Yeah. So it, it's somebody who say you're working with uh, just like 
fucking Mark Wahlberg. Sure. You find somebody who matches the specific physical conditions of him, same height, same weight, same kind of hair. Yeah. And while Mark Wahlberg's busy doing fuck whatever and talking to the director, that person stands there so they can line up the lighting and the camera angles Got and, the lens and all that stuff. And you literally just stand there and it's so much money. Really? Yeah. What do you get paid for that? So like the basic, it's different everywhere, but in Chicago, the basic stand-in rate is 150 for the first eight hours, time and a half past that. And Damn. you're going to go for like 12 hours. Holy shit. Yeah. So you're making 150 an hour for like that or just for the whole day? Well, 150 for the first eight, time and a half past that. So for eight hours, you're basically walking away with 1200 bucks. Well, no. For eight hours, you you'd walk away with one fifty. It's one hundred fifty okay. for the first. Eight My hours. bad. Okay, I was think I was like, holy shit! Yeah, no, no, no. How the who, why would no. they fucking pay somebody yeah, no. that much? One hundred fifty for the first eight hours, and then time and a half for the hours past that. Got it. Which so I mean, you're walking away with like, I mean, fuck, like three hundred dollar check. Yeah, for like a for basically ten hours of work. Yeah, or for literally just standing there. Yeah, that's not that bad. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Your thoughts can do anything. Mm -hmm. Work out, work out a new bit. Yeah. I think my favorite thing with doing all this shit with the shows and the movies and whatnot is um, doing shows or doing projects with people that I'm not personally familiar with. Like mm. doing Chicago Med, Fire, Empire, all this shit. Like I don't watch any of these shows. So there's been a couple instances. Like there was once on Empire where yeah. um, uh, one of the stars that was just positioned near me like during the scene just started talking to me. And I didn't know who the fuck he was. Yeah. I just thought he was another dude like us. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, what's up, buddy? He's like, bullshit. It's like, oh, he's famous. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't know. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I don't watch this show. I didn't know. Dude, so I had a similar experience because, uh, and I want to get into how you got into this in a second, but yeah. it's funny that you say that because I was a featured extra I was originally an extra, and we I commented this on your Facebook post because I was originally just an extra, yeah. and all the rest of the extras were so fucking ridiculous yeah. that they just were like, hey, this guy's not making a fool of himself. Let's maybe give him the other part. So I became a featured extra, right. and I was a featured extra who had to like interact with a couple of the stars of the show, but yeah. I didn't know who they were. And one of them was... Uh, Oh shit, Cecil Cecilia Vega. Cecil What's her fucking her fucking name? Oh fuck. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Car Com She's from Spy Kids. Yeah. Uh, um, what's her fucking name? I can't believe I f I'm forgetting this right now. I can see her face. Smartphones are for. Yeah, I'm glad you have yours. Uh, but her and this other guy, and they're you know in like movies and stuff. One of them was in the movie X Ray, which is a movie about uh, Guantanamo Bay. Anyway. Uh, he, Ron's gonna find it. Alexa Vega. That's it. Yeah. Alexa Cecilia. Where did that come <laughs> yeah. from? Alexa Vega, and uh, she she she's like, and we were, I just was talking with her. I had no idea who she was. And then after the like thing, people were like, "Holy shit, man! That was like she's like from Spy Kids and all this stuff." And I was like, "I never seen that movie. I don't. Yeah, I don't give a shit about it." No, there's, <laughs> and there's been a few things that have happened like that. They're like, "Oh, that's so and so." I'm like, "I have no fucking idea who that is." So like, how did you? Okay, so so let's get back into like what got you into interested in doing stand up in the first place. I mean, I'd wanted to be a stand up comedian since I was eight years old. Uh. Yeah, like that was it. Started with my dad, uh, and this is a you know a weird thing to have as your story because of what's come to place. But my dad would uh, play his old Bill Cosby records. Yeah. And he would put them onto like cassettes, <laughs> and me and I would like listen yeah. to them as I went to bed, and then I would go do the bits for the kids. The next day at school, and then ever since that, I was like, "Yeah, fuck, this is what I want to do." His well, some of his, I mean, like, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to have 
it's hard to be a guy in it's hard to be a guy period socially right now but i feel like it's hard to be a guy in comedy because all in comedy because all your heroes are just going down like it's really weird to that's why i don't have heroes yeah yeah <laughs> it's probably a, a good decision at this point yeah but uh no i mean like but those original cosby albums are gold man oh yeah they're fucking they're hilarious i mean they're at his whole uh his noah bit do you remember that? No, he, no, no. He had like a three-part bit where it was just him talking about like Noah. It was like God talking yeah, to Noah, right? Yeah, God talking Oh, wait, about, I do it, think I remember yeah, this. Yeah, and it's fucking fantastic. Um, but like I, I bring that up around people, and I'm like, yeah, Bill Cosby is the reason I want to do stand-up. Uh, and I think for me, it's like, look, man, um, what you did for me mm. and everything, you can't, I mean, that's already done. You can't take that away. Yeah. Like, there's no taking that away. Um, but at the same time... Doesn't excuse the fact that you're a fucking rapist monster. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what you, yeah. So I can be like, hey, thanks for what you did, but at the same time, like, burn in hell. Yeah. So <laughs> I appreciate that you did something inspiring to me, but please go get help. Yeah. And apologize to everyone. Yeah. It's you a, blind it's a, old fuck. <laughs> you blind old fuck. It's like, uh, yeah, it's weird because it's the same. I had Meredith Cachel on here and we were talking about Louis C.K. and similar things where yeah. it's like, I love Lou. I just played a Louis bit earlier to a, a friend of mine who's who you met who was staying here, yeah. and I was like, "This is such a great bit." And I'm like, "It's weird to watch it now and go like." And during this time, Louis C.K. is fucking jerking off in front of chicks in his dressing room. Yeah, just too too weird. Uh, Kill your heroes. Ca- yeah, this is a strange. This podcast has gone to a strange sp- space. Yeah, you know, just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, it's just. No, uh, I think it is. I, I I am a true believer in like honestly, like no, dude, like kill your heroes. Like stop, stop taking, stop holding human beings to really any kind of like super high standard because they're human beings. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I think like uh, it's it's funny because I saw an interview with Jerry Seinfeld recently, and the woman who was interviewing him sounded like she was trying to like corner him or something. Like, yeah. did you what, what did you, you're a comedian? What did you see going on? And he was like, I, you know, men and women, that's, this is, it's like a, it's just a, and that was his point to her in the interview is he was like, you don't expect any of these people to just be, he's like, how many relationships in real life, how many people in real life are, you know, fall prey to this kind of stuff? I don't know why we're expecting any of these famous people to not be as fallible as anybody else. Yeah, no. But it's also when like, yeah, fucking Franco and Aziz are like, we're wearing like, uh, Time's up. Something. Oh my gosh. The yeah, and then that article comes out about Aziz over the over the weekend. Yeah, that was uh, bizarre. Yeah, yeah, the timing of that was uh, ugh. Yeah. F- we well, got eyes on you. Yeah, I, I mean it's true. I guess. What are yeah. you gonna do? It's uh, and that one was especially weird. It, it felt like to me because if you read the, did you read the whole article yeah, yeah, about yeah. like the everything she? So you got. I would just everybody listening to this podcast just go. Google Aziz Ansari, hashtag me too, and this will come up immediately. But it's strange to me because it's like, it feels like this is a, it feels like this was a date that went really wrong. It didn't necessarily feel like this is on the same level of like, even shit Louis was doing. Yeah. It feels like this was Aziz Ansari who was maybe drunk and was just like, I want to fuck. Yeah. And then like, just wasn't, just not a good time, you know? Yeah. No, and and, and, I mean, situations like this, like somebody brought up a great point a while back and they're talking about this whole discussion with Aziz and that's kind of shedding the light on, you know, there's people who like bring up the legal argument 
about mm-hmm. things like this is legally rape, this you know lacked consent, da 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 da. da. But things like Aziz bring up kind of the the need for a talk about like a societal element of it, yeah, kind of thing where it's like, hey man, uh, yes, you should be able to vocalize and say no, I, this isn't what I want, I don't want to do this anymore. But also at the same time, like Aziz you know, should have been able to pick up on the fact like, hey, man, you know, she's kind of giving off signs here. Like, yeah. This isn't making her comfortable. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And if you're a 23-year-old photographer in New York City who is hanging out with a guy who you know is famous, who you met at a party who you thought was cool when you met him, yeah, you might be like, I don't, is he just like, what I don't know what's going on here, but like, I, like, I could see her. It's weird because other people have said this. They're like, well, if she didn't like it, she should have left. And I'm like, well, I could see her kind of being like, I mean, I this guy was cool when I met him. Yeah, and I don't know if he's like drunk or like what's going on. Maybe yeah. he's trying to feel. I don't know what's happening. Well, I, even and Aziz basically responded, and he was like, "Yeah, no, that happened." And he was like, "And I didn't realize at the time." Like he's like, "I didn't realize," and that is the problem. Yeah, he was like, "You know, I should have." So that's. I mean, that's what things like this kind of bring the conversation up. Yeah, about. I, um, I mean, this is. I didn't intend for this podcast to head in this direction, but yeah. it's interesting because one of the things that I was I said to. Meredith when she was on here was you know the problem I think part of the problem is that nobody teaches men what we're supposed to do yeah and that doesn't change if you become a millionaire and get a golden globe and are on tv yeah you still don't know like no one go no one sits you down and goes okay so here's how to do this yeah here's how to interact with women and here's how you get what you want and here's when you can't get what you want so you shouldn't even try yeah well i mean i am a big old sjw cuck so <laughs> but i do like i think it is like you know some things like consent should yeah. be a part of sex education yeah, they but should like they're not yeah it's it's not like that's all we ever talked about was the biology of it yeah and it's like there's so much more that you should probably educate yeah. kids. Well, and it, yeah. what's fucked up is that it probably can't happen because, and this is, I talked with Meredith, Meredith about this too, is that like, you know, the people who are of our parents' generation have a completely different set of norms yeah. around sex at all. Like, so for a guy like, um, you know, 80-year-old Dustin Hoffman, he might not actually even know that what he did was wrong. Yeah. Like, he might actually be like, I don't understand. Like, I talked to this younger woman, and she talked to me back, so I grabbed her boob, and that's... Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe in, like, 51. Yeah. Like, maybe... I don't... When, you know, when you were t- 11, yeah. that might have been how that worked, but it certainly isn't now. Yeah. Like, and that's just the way that it's... It's just a strange kind yeah. of, like, this shit just changes. And that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, that's the way it was now. She wasn't, like... Not everybody was cool with it. It's yeah. Like, yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah, but it was still shitty, dude. Yeah, you were just able to... Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't forgive it. it. Yeah. I just think that they they probably are afraid to even go, here's how we think it works. Because, yeah. like, their kids are going to be like, that's not how it fucking works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, what is... You actually... So, you are a liberal, but you're from... Oh, no, 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 no. Are you not? No, no, no. What are you? I'm a dirty commie cuck. I told you that. Yeah. Well, you're so you're left wing though. Yes. So you're a liberal. No, you're, no, no. you're further left. Yes. You're a socialist. Yes. So like, what is that like to go home or have deal with people who you grew up with who are maybe not that way? Because I'm I'm from like I said Metro Detroit, and yeah. I feel like when I go back, I lived in Boulder, Colorado, and I, when I went back to Michigan, I was like, man, I am the state is blue, but it is as purple as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I think around my family and whatnot, politics never really comes up much. Oh, really? Mine, that's all we talk about. Yeah, no, not really. Not so much. And I mean, all my friends know. I mean, I've always, I've never, I'm a dirty, 
dirty commie. <laughs> like, I, I can't hide it. Commie. Don't sneak, because if you sneak, people think that you're doing something wrong. Uh, well, you don't have any... Your comedy is not political, very, so... No, not really. I feel like I don't really stray into that territory either. No, even though myself being like a pretty political person, I just, for some reason, I never felt like... I don't say that I never felt like, but it's it's very rare that I feel like, oh, I should bring my politics into this. Mm. I kind of keep them separate. Mm-hmm. Like I keep, I, I like to keep a lot of things in my life like separate, and that's mm-hmm. kind of one of them. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense. I think, especially, I mean, you work the road. I think also, so it probably helps to. I've noticed that anytime I go out on the road, having anything political to say at all, nobody wants to hear well, even a little bit and i feel like the key to comedy like everywhere in general i mean especially when you're talking something that's like political like i don't have jokes that are political but i talk about like i will talk in my act about like you know homophobia mm-hmm. like bigotry right like things so i will talk about those issues but i think the key to that is always like subtlety mm. and always it's like you're trying like you can't jam baby food down the kid's throat yeah like you got to leave the airplane in <laughs> So it's like, first and foremost, like, I want to make you laugh and I want to bring up these points and these values that I hold, but in such a way that it makes you laugh and it doesn't feel like you're watching political comedy and it doesn't feel like you're getting preached to. Yeah. So, yeah. You're you're talking about basically respecting your audience, I think. Yeah. And like, I mean, because that's what it sounds like you're saying. And like, uh, and not not condescending to them. Yeah. Which is, I think, where a lot of, whenever I see comedy that does feel, uh, that strays into sort of messagey, soapboxy territory, that's where I think it goes wrong. As people are sort of condescending to their audience by being like, look, well, you you guys don't even know this shit, but let me tell you how you're racist or something. And you're like, okay, like this is... I mean, I, I think in the city you can kind of get away with that, but it's amazing. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, like, getting out of the city, it's, it changes it completely. Well, that was, I mean, when the whole fucking Trump thing went down, and here I am, excuse me, here I am in a major city doing comedy surrounded by a bunch of 20-somethings. Yeah. So it goes down, and everybody's first thing is like, just how did this happen? How did this happen? And I was like, how did it? I'm like, spend 20 minutes outside of a major city with a bunch of 20-somethings. Yeah. I went back to Cincinnati in the heat of, like, the midterms and the first fucking thing I saw when I went in to go do breakfast the next day was a guy to make America great again. Hat. Oh man. We, I went to a wedding in Northern Wisconsin yeah. this uh, past summer and the best man in the wedding had a make America great again hat <laughs> on. Christ. I know. And he's getting his like wedding photos taken in it and all this stuff. But it's like it, people outside of the city don't understand. Like this is actually like, it's so weird. Like yeah. this is such a bubble. Like everybody gets in a bubble. Yeah, you know everybody has their personal bubble. You know the Trump supporters have their bubble. We have our bubble. The internet makes a lot more bubbles. Yeah, I so, mean this is true. Yeah, so every, everybody's got their bubble. But yeah, to just sit there and be like, "How did this happen?" Just speaks to kind of like how ignorant a person truly is. Yeah. on the state of the country and people. How little empathy can you have to yeah. like not understand? You know, it's so weird too. Because and then there's this there's this uh, other and I mean like I'm 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 liberal as well i mean i'm left wing for sure and uh at times in my life have been like a total communist or a uh socialist yeah i feel like i'm never ended for me (laughs) yeah i feel like i'm less so now for a whole host of reasons but i'm still left certainly left of center Mm. and uh what is interesting to me though is that there's this whole you know people you engage with 
or you'll talk with even on on Facebook or you even meet in in you know in circles that you and I both uh circulate in. Yeah. It's strange because you'll talk to people and their reactions will be like Look, if you're not on board with this, like, you just need to fuck off. Like, you don't have an opinion. You don't need to, like, if you don't understand that, like, and then insert some, you know, completely, like, off the wall, you know, left message here. Yeah. Like, like if you don't understand, and just to select one, like, Owen Benjamin went down recently. Like, if you don't understand that a two-year-old can be trans, like, you need to get off this fucking boat. Yeah. And you're like, what? I just, I like, I don't have a strong opinion either way, but I feel like maybe we should, you know withhold judgment for a minute and yeah. they're like no 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 we can't withhold judgment like it's it's this is the way the world is now yeah i mean the two-year-old could be trans i don't know unless he can tell you he or she or can tell you that they're trans yeah who knows that, that, that's my i'm like well that's my whole thing on the well and just to make the, to to be clear about what i'm saying i'm not saying that a two-year-old can or can't be trans yeah. i not only do i not really care I feel like it's it's it does it doesn't matter here or there. But to someone who's in, you know, rural Wisconsin or yeah. Ohio or wherever, that's all the shit that they see on the news. And yeah. It applies to their life not at all. Yeah. So it's like it's weird to me that that's why like you're like when Trump got elected and like, how did this happen? You're like, what have you been talking? None of this relates to any of these people. Yeah. Like, I know trans people. I was I'm friends with trans people. Yeah. But I, you know, not my dad, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. Nobody back in Michigan knows a single trans person in their life. Yeah, like and that's just right. a I mean, strange. Yeah, I mean, to just again, it goes back to everybody has their bubble. Yeah, everybody. So if you can't see outside your bubble, or like see at least the existence of the other bubbles, gotta pop everybody's bubble. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> but yeah, then that's uh, yeah, that's how babies are made. <laughs> <laughs> that's where babies come from. Dude, rural Wisconsin. So your um, so your uh, your acting career. Yeah. Um, so you, I want to go back a little bit because how did you get involved? So you got involved in stand up. How old were you when you first got on stage? I probably like eight or nine. Do whatever. Are you school, serious? Yeah, whatever school play or like anything that came up, it was like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Like, well, when did you first do stand up though? Uh, probably. And see, that's a weird question because I, I think back like, well, I did it at these talent shows when I was a kid and I did like, I mean, I'd always kind of like, but I'd say like my first let's outside of like a talent show as a kid, whatever kind of thing, uh, go bananas in Cincinnati as soon as I turned 18. Yeah. Yeah. Would they not let you up earlier than that or well, did yeah. you just not think about it? No. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's a bar. Too, yeah. So you have to. Yeah. Got it. And it, what was your first act on? I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. And my friend filmed it and then never gave me the video. Oh, you sure? I, I hope they burned it. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure he did. <laughs> it's in some laptop long gone away in a junkyard. <laughs> yeah. Where it belongs. I oh, mean, to man, be honest. so funny. But it went well. You know, that's the, that's the craziest thing is it went well. Yeah. And that was my first real time of me feeling like, oh, this is stand like me really doing stand up. And it went well. And I'm like, everybody says this is fucking hard. What are they talking <laughs> about? I got shit's this. Easy. Yeah. Then like my next 20 times were horrible. That's like one of the worst things that could happen <laughs> yeah. is that for a stand up comedian's first set to go really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> then the rest of it. <laughs> oh, my God. I did. Uh. It's so funny because for uh, Ron accidentally like, knocked his <laughs> headphones out. I got him now. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. For the, I started stand up. I was sixteen, but I was kind of like I had like an in at the club. Yeah, and uh, I crushed. And I didn't just crush the first time. I did for like 
four or five months. Yeah. Like I, I, I hate to say that because it makes me sound conceited, but the truth was like I was 16 and I, for some reason, really connected with the crowd. Yeah. And uh, for probably the better part of five or six months, I did really well. And then I bombed one night and bombed bad. I mean, like <laughs> zero laughs, nothing. And it literally took me a year to get back on stage. Jesus. Like, that's how bad. It, and it's just like one of the worst things that can happen is for a comedian to do well right out of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. Everybody said this is hard. <laughs> and then, yeah, now I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm just, uh, I'm just awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then I'm here. Oh man, that's funny. But yeah, acting. Yeah, I was always doing. I was always a theater kid. I was always doing school plays, like any chance I could get to get on stage when I was younger. Yeah. Well, how did you get the Rocky Horror Picture Show then? Uh, I went down one night to watch it when I was like seventeen, and yeah. I was just like, "This is super fun. This is super awesome." And I just looked into it, and they're always like, "Well, you can." You know, if you want to join the cast, submit here. And I did. And I was 17. And the rule is uh, if you're under 18, they have to talk to your parents. And I'm like, I'm going to be 18 in like three months. So I was just like, yeah, I'm 18. And they're like, all right, whatever. They never checked. They never checked. And then uh, I was just in that till I was 25. That's a dude. That's amazing. Yeah, like, what just, what lessons did you learn from having done that that much? Um, it taught me a lot about teamwork. Uh -huh. Um a lot about putting on a production mm. and the promotion side and like the somewhat of the technical side. Um, Did you play the same, um, the same character the whole way through? I played a few people. I originally started off. Have you ever seen the Rocky horror picture show? I've actually never seen it. Okay. So I started off as a character named Brad. Then I went on to a character named Dr. Scott. Uh -huh. And then I went on to the character of like the narrator or he's technically the criminologist is what they call him. Got it. So that was just it was like interchangeable, whatever they needed me to play. Uh, but then I also I hosted uh -huh. I was the MC. Uh, so I you know do all like that shit. Uh, and then I was one of the producers of the cast. I ended up becoming. And then I also was the manager at the movie theater where we did it. Holy shit. So it all kind of. Yeah. You yeah. just were you were uh, you played all positions, yeah. basically. Yeah. Like, that's kind of amazing, man. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was fun to do. It was just a thing to do on the weekends, and it was a performance outlet. How many... So you did it every weekend. How many performances did you uh, have a weekend? Every other weekend. Got it. Yeah, okay. every two weeks. Um, yeah, we just did a show every two weeks. Dude. Uh, this is amazing to me because I feel like that's such a regular... That feels like such a regular thing. Yeah. Like, uh, to go from... What made you decide to leave that to come to Chicago... Where things are so not stable. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, that th that was just a hobby. Sure, that was a thing. It, was it wasn't this, paying the bills. No, I mean, you you never, we never got paid for Rocky, but it was always that was just something that I was a part of, that was fun, that I enjoyed. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely wasn't enough to like hold me back from like, no, actually go yeah. pursue your dreams because <laughs> of this hobby. That well, you because have. but but that's a good. I just want to say like that's a good, that's a meaningful thing because like there are one of the things I feel like uh, I've had to deal with is uh, especially because of um, having been in relationships where this comes up is like. Is comedy a hobby or is comedy your main thing? Yeah. And like comedy doesn't pay my bills. Like yeah. I have a day job and I do that and that pays my bills and enables me to do comedy almost every day in Chicago. Yeah. But like I've been in relationships where like I'll be dating a woman and she'll be like, yeah, you know, I mean, like it's a really fun hobby. You do the comedy thing. And I'm like, it's not a fucking hobby. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they're like, well, does it make you any money? And I'm like, no, it doesn't make me <laughs> like it makes me a hundred bucks a year. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't do anything. 
but it's a big, you have to decide where it fits in. So it's like, I could see somebody, probably other people who were involved with that Rocky Horror thing, probably decided not to leave or do anything else. Oh, no, absolutely. That totally happens. And not just in Rocky and like, excuse me, it is cold out. I'm so nasally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, not just in Rocky, but anything like that. You know, you see these people who wanted to do this thing. Like, you know, they really wanted to go for it and they wanted it to be their thing. But they find this thing that kind of like scratches that itch mm-hmm. that they have, like their performance itch or their creative or whatever. And they just kind of get sucked into that. And they're like, the itch is scratched. Why, you know. Yeah. What else am I? What's the point? Yeah. yeah. Why would I go outside of my comfort zone? Right. When I just have whatever I have right here. But yeah, yeah. no, for me, I was like, it was a hobby. It was fun. And uh, yeah, it was just it was time to move on. Because I wanted bigger, better yeah. things in the show business side. And you talk about that, and it's like, you know, I've been out here for, uh, March will be three years yeah. that I've been out here for. And ever since I've been out here, I've been like, my one and only focus is stand-up. And, yeah. you know, the acting thing. Just like the show business thing in general. Yeah. And that's all it's ever been. Yeah, you got here in March. So I got here about three months after I think you did that. Yeah. And you were you were a dude who I saw everywhere and yeah. and crushed a lot. I thought you did really really well. Thank you. And it feels like you still you have an interesting philosophy though because you get booked and I see you booked on shows uh, sometimes and I see you out grinding a lot. Yeah. But you don't try to really get booked on. You don't go out of your way to try to get booked on it very much. No, not like the majority. I mean, the majority of like shows around here. Not. I mean, a lot of them are great. A lot of there's a lot of great rooms that are here in Chicago run by people who that I'm very good friends with and I've known for a while and they do a great job. Um, But especially for me, for where I'm at right now, um, where comedy is somewhat part of my income. Yeah, uh, I, I really have to and need to put my, the majority of my effort booking wise into shows that are going to pay me. Yep. Um, cause that's just where I'm at yeah. right now. Like it's a part of my income. I have to do that. So if I'm going to really put in time and effort on that side of things, I mean, yeah, it's going to be that, but I mean, I still do, you know, all the great little shows, little bar free bar shows around here and they're great. They're all, they're great rooms. It's yeah. good stage time. You get a clip out of it or yeah. something, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I guess you could say playing the game yeah, as yeah. far as that goes around here. Yeah, well, it seems like you... Ha- so it's interesting because the way that you had talked to me about it outside of Patsy's once, you were like, I'm not trying to push... I'm not trying to... I'm trying to let my comedy do the pushing for me. Yeah. So anybody who wants to book me on a show can reach out to me and talk about it, but I'm not going to try to get any shows. Like, I'm not going to try to pull them in. Right, right. And I would bet that... Is that the same as you approach, like, paying or road gigs? Like, no. Or well, do no, you reach out for that Those stuff? you reach out to because now that's just getting into, like... Mm-hmm. livelihood yeah and that's like you know money and like eating things like that but as far as like just shows in general that don't really pay or things like that um there's a lot of people not just in chicago but everywhere that kind of get wrapped up in that and it's like well i have to do this show this show this show and it's like well i mean that's great it's a great show but i don't understand why you're like racking yourself over it so much so i mean it's not like it's something that yeah pays. what's the meaning that's gonna come from it yeah, yeah i mean it's like great you to do you get to do a great show but i mean there's plenty of great shows that you can do. i mean that's just like talking about bubbles again yeah like it's a very strange kind of like that's why well like if when you get outside of the city like you can do different uh, you can do shows in the city yeah. or or open mics or whatever 
and uh, then get outside of the city. And you know, I learned I learned this when I went to Edinburgh this past year. Like, you're so much of your material sometimes just doesn't translate, yeah. or it comes off differently, or it's like, it, and you never think about it because you're just in the one space that you're in constantly. Yeah, in the city. And like it's good, like it's good to get the reps in and all this stuff, but it's a very, it's a different, it's a different animal when you get outside of it. Yeah, and I think as far as like, I mean, we call it getting the reps in. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get a set in. Like, just going to get a set in. Like, it's a fucking look. <laughs> I think I, I think it's important thing to find the balance between working your ass off and whatever it is you do. For us, it's comedy. Uh, finding the balance and working your ass off on your art, but then at the same time leaving enough time in your life for you to go be a human being yeah. and have human experiences and see and hear and feel human things. <laughs> so you have something that you can bring back to your art. And when I see people who get so consumed in whether it be stand up or whatever, to the point where that's like, look, like that's my main focus. That always has been since I've been out here, but it hasn't been my entire life yeah. since I've been out here. So like if, you know, if you get so consumed in stand up to the point where all you do is stand up, well, then what are you going to talk about? Yeah. Like, what do you have to bring to your art from the real world? Yeah, from life. Yeah, it was just from life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's another... Bo- Again, everybody has their bubble. Yeah. Everybody has their Take bubble. Take time to to chill out and actually, like, experience real things yeah. in your life. Go see a movie. Go talk to a girl. <laughs> 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 and not a comedian, because yeah. we know where uh, that's lead- led lately, go where that's been leading lately. Some shit. Oh, man, there's a great... Have you? Do you go to... That barcade around the headquarters or whatever around the corner? No, I actually went to one last night, and it's the first. No, it's not the first, but I went to... Uh, Emporium? No, Logan. Uh, out there, like Western and Fullerton. Uh, is that... Is that... It used to be called Logan Hardware. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Those yeah. Were, it's so much goddamn fun. Yeah. I had a... That was my move when I lived in Boulder, Colorado. Is that, there was a place called Press Play, and I was like, I would meet some girl and be like, let's go to Press Play, and then like just go beat her ass in like Mortal Kombat. They have a game. They had a game <laughs> at this arcade where you flipped a table. <laughs> like you kept banging on it because you were like mad, and then at the end you would like flip, flip the, the table. Actually flip the table. Yeah, you would, like actually flip the table. It was like Japanese. A, like a real housewife of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. No, like that. Like they had like you can do it in an office. You can do it in school. You can do it at work. And that sounds like, awesome. Actually, yeah. this is how the Japanese like get their anger out. Yeah. Bless them. Harikojo. <laughs> It was like a little half a table. It was like plastic, and you would just <laughs> like spring loaded and shit. Oh my, that actually sounds great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There was a. Uh, I went to, I went to. Uh, it was in North Charlotte, North Carolina, and there was a bar that I went to that was like a half barcade. It was like it wasn't sure what it wanted to be. Yeah, but they had a bunch of uh, like video games. But one of them was a punch game where you punched that you could measure how strong your punch oh, yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean. Every single bro in that bar lined up to punch the thing, like a hundred bros, and it was like a dollar each. They, that th- machine must have made five hundred bucks that Jesus night. Jesus Christ! Like everybody lined up and did it like two or three times, and everybody and guys were trying to. I mean, they were winding way up to hit this thing. Yeah, to hit it so hard, and one dude like hit it and like peeled like like peeled the skin back on his hand, like hit it wrong, and like. He was like, I don't give a fuck. And then I went to the bar and like got like three more like Jaeger bombs. And like, I mean, it was intense. It's the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> they had this other game where you, whoever could jack the dick off yeah. fastest. And it was like. Now that line. <laughs> that was out the door. Bachelorette parties. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. 
Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's weird. Anyway, the uh, I wish they did do it. Did a comedy show at the beer cade around the uh, corner. Dude, we said that we should start up a mic at the Logan place that we went. That's you should do that. Yeah. Who are you with? Uh, Mark Hornback. Oh, I don't know. Of uh, Reeds. Oh, nice. The Sunday mic. Oh yeah, I yeah. haven't done Reeds in like a year and a half. Oh yeah. <laughs> Comedians on podcast talking about mics oh my god <laughs> there was a dave metz once did a podcast this is another person who no one who's outside of chicago will know yeah but uh he once did a podcast all about uh the grind and it was just he talked to people in other cities about what comedy was like in those cities and it was so depressing <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> He just messaged. He's like, "Yeah, what's the comedy like in like Boise, Idaho?" And they're like, "Oh, there's like one mic. Yeah, <laughs> there's like a one mic every other week." <laughs> nobody, nobody. What? It's <laughs> yeah. What's it? You might as well call up people and be like, "What's the flu like in your neck of the woods?" Yeah. Like, you should just move. There was. I did a show in Sydney, Ohio. I think last what? year. What? Yeah, I'm from Ohio. I had no idea that this place even existed, if that gives you any kind of indication. That's amazing. what it's like. That's like 45 minutes outside of Dayton. And we go in and do the show, and it's great, and it's awesome. We're hanging outside, smoking and whatever. And there's this woman. She's like, going to be like 45 or something. And we're all talking and laughing, and she's like sitting on this bench. And she's all just kind of like hanging over. And then it goes silent for a second, and I just hear her go, I'm just so glad there's something to do in this town. Oh my god, <laughs> like, that was the most <laughs> depressing thing I've ever heard. Oh my god, there's a. I just applied today to the uh, Paul Bunyan Comedy Festival in Oscoda, Michigan. Ah. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, this website looks like it was made in like 1997. Like this is <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah, this is right up my alley. And it said like 30 of the best comedians in North America, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I don't do the festival thing. Yeah, I did, a, I've never done it before either. Yeah. I, did, I did Edinburgh, but that was it. Yeah, I'm just not into the... I don't know. If I'm going to travel to do comedy, I'll just line up some shows. Yeah, and then go. And get paid. Yeah. And I'll I, probably do that if when I get the Paul Bunyan. Yeah. It'll be like I mean, only 18 comedians responded to the ad, yeah. probably. But yeah, just, I mean, like, why don't what, like, pay a fee to probably get told? No. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to get in a Greyhound and go make some money. <laughs> you need to do... <laughs> You need to do a podcast or a YouTube channel from the Greyhound. Yeah. That's what, honestly, Ron, I would watch that. Oh, God, I would have so many episodes. <laughs> you could just interview people on the Greyhound. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know. God, I try to avoid those people, and I'm already on a bus with them. Now I got to talk to them? I know. And you here's the the thing about traveling by bus is that you can't say you're not a member of that bus. Oh, yeah. You're no. in the same, you are in the same group as those people. We're all on this Greyhound together. <laughs> I think when I go to Cincinnati, I take this overnight route uh, from here. It leaves in like at like eleven o'clock at night, and it's an overnight route. So you just fall asleep and you wake up in Cincinnati. It's yeah. like that's why I take it in. I took it in for the holidays, and there was a family with three toddlers. Oh my god! That did not stop screaming the entire trip. Oh man! None of us slept. All of us were trying to sleep. None of us. This slept. is uh, you idiots. This is why God invented vodka. Yeah. Give a baby the bo- vodka. I don't whatever. Just a little rub. Yeah, just a, they'll just tell him to call, yeah, it'll quiet down. <laughs> oh man. Well, with that we should end. Uh, you know that with that fantastic story. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, thank you so much, man. I appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for having me. Uh, take it easy, everybody. Uh, how do people get at you, Ron? Uh, my Twitter is Ron Irvin E R V I N. Instagram is Ron Irvin Comedy. Uh, leave me alone on Facebook. That's for me and my friends. <laughs> It's a private thing. All right. Take care, man. Yeah. Have a good one.